How's everybody doing? Good. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come into this place and into our hearts. How many believe that nothing good happens unless he does something? Okay, we're agreed on that. Let's ask him. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come now as the teacher. We ask you to come as the heart of the Father, as the revealer of your wisdom and understanding and of your great heart. Lord, I pray that you would impart by your grace hope, insight, and conviction that can help us along our way and that can help us to partner with you in what is so dear to you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about parenting with God, um, not apart from Him, not just for Him, but parenting with Him. And, and the idea behind successful Christian parenting is that we're doing it with Him because if you've parented or <laughs> if you've seen parenting very much, you know that without His help, we are sunk. Um, question that I want to ask you first. If you were the richest father in the world, you were the wisest father in the world, and you were the most loving father in all of the world, what would you give to your children as an inheritance? Pause. You know where I'm going with this. Psalm 127 says that the Lord has given to us children as our inheritance. He's the richest father. He's the wisest father. And he's the most loving father. Children in our culture, and one of the things that we fight against um, constantly is the idea that children are a burden. They're an inconvenience. They're a hardship. I don't know how many times I've seen a list of, do you know how much it costs to raise a child till they're 18? And you see the cost of food and clothing and blah, 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 and college and, and uh, braces. <laughs> I know, all of our kids had braces. Two of them had them twice. Um, they had to have appliances, and then they had braces after that. So we, paid, we doubled up. So our orthodontist loves us very, very much. Um, actually, when we moved to Lakeland after our honeymoon, we moved into a, a duplex that we rented, and um, lo and behold, it was owned by our orthodontist. So we lived there for seven years, and um, uh, I, you know, I told him that when we went to start getting braces on our oldest one and had the long line of um, $5,000 um, payments, um, I said, well, we've already paid off your duplex. What else do you need us to pay off for you? <laughs> um, so um, they, they love us very much. So I get it. Here's the question, though. Here, here's really the question. Here's the mindset that is so key for us as believers. We're brainwashed in culture. Your kids are keeping you from having a good time in life. Your kids are binding you down now. Your kids are inconvenient. To, if you're going to discipline them and be all in, like it's going to take. So here's the kind of comments that I would get in business. Like, how, oh, how, how are you? How many children do you have? Seven. And they look at me like, you don't have a life, do you? Like, you, you don't have a life, do you? And, and I'm like, you don't know. So here's the perspective difference. The wisest, the richest, the most powerful, and the most loving father says, here's what I'm going to give to you. I could give you anything. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I own everything. All of earth is mine. All of its fullness belongs to me. Here's what I'm going to give you as an inheritance. I'm going to bless you with children. Having that perspective alone changes everything. Children, do they take your time? Are they difficult? Do they exasperate you sometimes? Are they expensive? All of those things. That doesn't take away from the fact that they are an eternal treasure that is worth far more than any investment that we make in them. And the Father entrusts us with his own heart and with his own desire. 
to raise children with him. He invites us. So let me just start out, and I'm going to let my wife share more tonight. I tell you, my wife, is she, the Lord has given her lots of insight, and, and a lot of it's come through a lot of tears. And um, the things that she shares with me sometimes, I just sit there and go, wow, that is just profound and powerful. And, we, you know, I guess we're sitting here because we've seen the fruit of that. Um, God is faithful, and his ways are good, and he knows what makes every child tick. He knows how he designed them. He wants us just to partner with him to bring that out. So here's Malachi chapter 2, if you want to have the scriptures as foundation. This is um, Malachi 2, verses 13 through 15. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And you ask, why? And he answers, it is because the Lord is acting as witness between you and the wife of your youth, because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? This is God's answer. This is, he, he's talking about being upset because of the husbands dealing unfaithfully with their wives and divorcing them. He's grieved over that, but now he gets down to one of the main reasons and why it grieves his heart. Obviously, he doesn't like the destruction of, that divorce can bring. But here's what he says. Why did he make them one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. God is seeking godly offspring. So guard yourselves and your spirit. Do not break faith with the wife of your youth because he wants us, he wants his children to be raised in an atmosphere where there is his love between a husband and a wife. That's the kind of atmosphere that creates an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is pleased to come and dwell and to shape those little ones into godly followers of him. We read that in Deuteronomy 6 last week where God says, um, you know, when you go to enter into the land, I want you to be careful to keep everything that I have told you to do. And then this amazes me about that passage in Deuteronomy 6. He says, so that your grandson, he lists your grandson first, so that your grandson and your son will serve me and love me and follow me so that I can bless them fully in the land that I have given for them. That's interesting to me. Why would he say grandson first? Because he has in mind generational blessing. So here's what I would say. There's lots of us in this room, including us who sit at this table, where we didn't have a godly heritage passed on to us. Some of it was complete train wreck and explosion. It was horrendous. But what heritage we were passed down is not nearly as important as the heritage that we're going to pass down now. And God intervenes, and he can take the train wrecks of relationships that we were passed down. And here, here to testify, you don't have to repeat that pattern. The Father wants to partner with us in such a way that we don't repeat that pattern, but that we repeat a pattern that is going to produce godly offspring. He wants them. He's seeking them. And his heart desire is for us to partner with him fully. So this is at the heart of Christian parenting. I mean, we want to raise our kids to be the best that they can be, and we're proud of them if they're a doctor or whatever they are. But at the end of the day, that's not really the main thing that matters. What matters is that we're raising up children who love Jesus with all their heart. They love him. They want him. They are following after him. We don't have to prod them. They're not doing it because mom and dad, but God has actually captured their heart, and he uses parents to help capture their heart. And so um, godly seed. Um, you know I like biography, right? If you don't, you will. I think it's so helpful to see the lives of people. So here, in 1900, right around 1900, there was a, an educator, and he decided to look at what well, is common today, family tree kind of stuff. It wasn't common then, but he decided to look at the life and the heritage of two different men that were born at the same time. 
One man was named Jonathan Edwards. He was one of the leaders of the First Great Awakening, um, godly family. His wife, Sarah, was amazing. Like she, anyway, won't go into all that. She was amazing, amazing lady. But they had a, a godly home. They had 11 children. Um, so we're really small compared to, to them. Um, and he followed Edward's family tree, his heritage. And he, the, he took this other guy just kind of randomly. His name was Max Juke, who was an unbeliever. Um, and, who, you know, he or his spouse didn't, didn't live for God. And he followed their family tree. Here's what happened. Here's what he found out. So with this guy, Max Juke, he wasn't a Christian Wife wasn't a Christian, didn't raise their children in kind of godly values. So they followed 1,026 of their descendants down in the family tree. Here's what he found. 67 died of syphilis. 190 were public prostitutes. 100 were alcoholics. 280 lived in abject poverty. 150 were criminals. Seven were murderers. Then he followed Edwards down. I know you might say these are the extremes. They, they probably are. But, but listen to Edwards' heritage. 729 of their descendants, um, they studied the lives of 729 of their descendants. 300 of them were preachers of the gospel. 65 were college professors. 13 were university presidents. 60 authored books. Three were congressmen. One was vice president of the United States. Is that, you think that's a total coincidence? You think that's just random? Like, I don't think so. He, he, here's what we're after here. With raising children and godly children, he, here's what we want to impart to you after doing it for a few years. It's worth everything that you put into it. You're not only investing in your children, you're investing in their children and in their children and in their children. You're investing in generations. You're investing in the gospel impacting the cultures of people that you will never live to see because that's God's program. He said it from Deuteronomy 6, this is what I want to do. And I want you to be careful to love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength so that your children can see that modeled and it will stamp them, and their generations will be blessed. See, God's heart is He wants to bless them. It's His heart. We, we so often raise children with, with a short view of, you know, I, I want my children to have a good spouse, and I want them to have a happy life, and, all, and that's all good, but God's perspective is much larger than that. And what we do with our children and raising them now is going to affect generations that you will never live to see or read about. It will. So don't talk to me about the sacrifice. I understand it. I really do. It's nothing. It's like Paul said, the, the present sufferings that we're experiencing, they're not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory that will be revealed. I'm saying that about children. This is God's perspective, and this is God's great heart of what he wants to do. Um, I don't have patience, honestly, with people who um, talk about child-rearing like it's some kind of great burden. I'm like, no, it's, it's a great privilege. We don't even know what we're sowing into, but the Father does. And so um, let me just give you that bit of encouragement and and maybe a larger perspective because when the diapers are all around us and the projectile diarrhea is flying onto the carpet and my kids, I have a Bible here and I still have this Bible where my kids took pens and opened it up and did this. <laughs> this is a treasure to me. There's verses in here I can't read because my little daughter Shane is sitting right back there. <laughs> She took pens. Are they a burden? No. They are carriers of eternity. And you don't know what God has for your offspring or their offspring or their offspring. You don't know. But what the seeds that you're sowing now and what you're sacrificing for now is going to affect eternity. Guaranteed. Guaranteed investment. How many would like that kind of investment? Guaranteed 100% return on your investment. It's guaranteed, I'm telling you. 
Um, and the Father's heart is to partner with us. This is the whole hope of the thing. Like we're, listen, the Father knows we're incompetent. He knows this. That's why he chose us, because that's when his glory shines the greatest. Um, let me read um, Titus chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. I promise I'm going to give my wife more and more time to speak, because she knows more about this stuff than I do, I'm telling you. Um, Titus chapter 2, I just want, you know, I want scripture. Um, you, you shouldn't believe anything I say if, it, if you can't tie it to scripture. So here's Titus chapter 2, and Paul's giving instruction for how different people in the church should act and do. So, so here's verse 3. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Teaching what is good. What is that? Verse 4 that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. You know what amazes me about this verse? A, a couple of things. One is, why would you tell the older women that they need to encourage younger women to love their children? Like, I don't know that I have ever met a mom who would, didn't tell me, that they love their children. I've never met a mom that says, you know what, I just really don't love my children. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, I just don't. I, no, most mothers, if they got approached like that, they would take umbrage. Would you not? If someone came up to you and said, why don't you love your daughter? You'd be like, come closer. <laughs> would you not? Even dads. How many dads, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, you know, I've noticed that you don't love your daughter. Like, you'd be like, What? Let's take this outside. Um, what, what, is, what is he talking about? So, so here's what I'm saying. When we say we love our children, we mean we feel affection for them, man. We would get on the railroad track for them. We really love them. But I don't think that's primarily what he's talking about, older women teaching younger how to love their children. Because there's, there's different kinds of love. There's affectionate love, and we're, <laughs> you know, we, we would fight over that. You tell me I don't love my kids? Like, I've never heard a woman say that, ever. Um, even one who's a crack, even one who's addicted to crack, like, they're, they're like, I, I love my child. But when the Bible talks about loving, there, there's different categories, Love in the Bible, the definition of love, you know, is, is measured in increments of sacrifice. So that's part of the deal. But it's also measured in this way. It's measured in what we do that is actually for their highest good. This is where it gets a little bit tricky with do we love our children or don't we love them? We would all say emotionally, man, I've never felt such depth of love. You know, when our first son was born, like you get rocked, you know. You get rocked by the love that you feel, and you feel the love of the Father. And the first night I had little Jason, you know, I said, no, he's going to sleep. On, he slept on my chest all night. I said, no, he's going to sleep with me tonight. Um, I, I get that. But what the Bible, I think, is getting at us is that we need to be taught how to love our children, meaning how to do what is best for them eternally. And can I tell you something else? What loving looks like for a child is, is season-specific. When they're younger, it's different. When they get to be teenagers, it's different. There's a different way that we love them that is actually to their best, and it's also circumstance and situation-specific. So in a specific situation, we might think, well, this would be the best way to love them, but, yeah, you know, the Holy Spirit might actually show us, actually, no, that's not the best way. That's not going to do what I want to do in their life. And so I think I, one thing that I want us to do is to, you know, we would read that and just go automatically, of course, I love my child, but obviously not necessarily because if he instructed the older women to instruct the younger how to love their children. Now, I could see some of them saying, you know, instruct them how to love their husbands that they might admit, yeah, <laughs> but never with their children. And so there's specific things and there's age things, and here's, here's the deal. God knows 
what it means to love our children best in every situation. And it's not always the obvious thing on its face. We need him, and we need to be dependent on him. Um, so I say that why didn't this passage tell the older moms to instruct the younger how to train their children? Because training is part of loving. It's part of it. It's a subset. It's a subpoint. It's part of loving the child. Um, Proverbs, oh, I'm just about done. Proverbs 23, 26. It says this. So key. My son, give me your heart. Let your eyes delight in my ways. My son, give me your heart. Do you, you, you see what he's saying there? His son is not going to delight in his ways. His son is not going to look at the, the dad or the mom and go, Oh, I just love the way you live your life, and I'm going to live my life just like that until he gives his heart to that parent. Children in every stage of their growth are always asking this question when we say, Give me your heart so that I can shape you in the way that you should go. So that I can show you what's right and true. And they're always asking the question, not just once, but over and over and over again. Why should I give it to you? Why can I trust you with it? And we have to answer the question as parents. Are we giving them good reason to give us their heart because when we have their heart we can shape and form them we can show them our ways and they'll see it as being beautiful and delightful but if we don't have their heart they won't it's key you know some people think oh brother you're all about the rod and discipline because we've heard you when you're preaching uh, no that's part of it but I want to tell you something. Until we as parents get our stuff straight, like we won't be able to, to discipline our children right. One of the biggest deals with parenting is that the parents are jacked up. We're jacked up. Our, we don't have our stuff straight on, and we're trying to, to parent. I'm not talking about perfection now, but I'm just talking about overall attitudes. And so um, our love towards them allows them to answer Yes, here's my heart, Daddy. Here's my heart, teenager, to say, I confide in you because I can trust you. Here's my heart. I know that you won't trash me and throw me under the bus. Here's my heart. Different stages, different situations require different application of what that love is. Um, children are not problems to be fixed. They're treasures to be loved first. If, if, if we as parents don't get this right, this is why we're emphasizing this last week and this week, just the whole thing about the heart and, and getting the heart of your child. So key. We know people and have watched trial and error. We've might, you know, last week we talked about parenting is a lesson in repenting and teaching your kids how to repent. We've repented over and over and over to our kids because we messed up. It's good. It's okay. You know what it shows to your kids? Mommy and daddy are, are authentic. They're, they're wanting to do right, but they're knuckleheads. It's okay. Um, we need to repent to our children. But, but at the end of the day, the biggest issue in parenting, the most important issue in parenting is winning their heart and having them. You can't take it. They have to give it to you. My son, give me your heart. And so... I'm going to turn over to Daniel. That was good, babe. <clears throat> um, yeah, so we were talking this afternoon, and just this whole different paradigm shift of, you know, what is God's heart really for our children? Is it just because, is it, is it just to have them sit in a chair when we tell them to sit in a chair? Is it the whole discipline aspect and they're going to eat everything on their plate and they're going to go to bed on time 
You know, is that what we really want? Or is it really their heart? And is that what the Lord's really after? And at first, you know, when you start having children and you don't have a, we didn't really um, have any role models to, you know, parent after. And so, yeah, I mean, it's all about the discipline, right? And, but the Lord slowly began to change my heart and to give me a paradigm shift. And, um, and like Barry said, just the whole thing of, you know, children not being problems to be fixed, but their treasures and their blessings. And, um, you know, slowly morphs over time, a long period of time. But when they were little, Jace and Shana were probably like six and seven. And um, Landon and Wesley were really, really little. And um, I got up to pray early one morning before they got up. And in my prayer, I just told the Lord, God, just kneeling down at the couch in our living room, you can tell me anything. What do you want me to do, God, today? I am all ears. I will do anything you tell me to do. I'm listening, and I thought I'd hear, bake a loaf of banana bread and go down three street through three houses on the right and bring, you know, introduce yourself to your neighbor. Like, I was like, just poised, like, ready. I'm ready, God. Tell me anything you want me to do. Clear as anything. And you know when the Lord, sometimes, you know, we say, well, I think the Lord said, or I feel impressed, or sometimes, you know, the Lord does speak to you, and it's very distinct. And when you know when God speaks to you, there's no confusion. You have just heard God. Very clearly, he said to me, love your children. I was like, what? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a burden fell off. It's like, yeah, that's, that's all you want me to do. You just want me to really love them. Not some grand, special thing somewhere far away. You just want me in my home today to love these children. And just seeing that different paradigm shift, they just over and over would call them blessings. Because they're a gift. They're a gift from the Lord. So come here, blessing. Or what is that? What do you need, blessing? Tell mommy again. Look in their eyes. And um, I just, I loved calling them blessings. And now I get the privilege of hearing Shana call my little grandchildren blessings. So it's very, very sweet. And, and I would tell them. I would say, guys, you know what? I'm calling you a blessing, but honestly, I don't know how this happened. But I'm sure I'm the most blessed mom in all of Lakeland, Florida. I said, no, actually, probably I'm the most blessed mom in all of Florida. Maybe even the whole United States. Like, you guys are incredible, and I'm so blessed to be your mom. And they would beam. They would just eat it up. They just loved it. They are amazing blessings from the Lord. And that morning, like I said, a lot of pressure came off. I just took a deep breath, and I was like, okay, thank you, Lord, for just refocusing me. And it wasn't long after that, um, Barry had a friend in business. His name was Sid Johnson, and he sold a lot of ligustrum trees, and he and Barry did business together once in a while. So he came over to the house. I don't remember why. Maybe he was dropping off a check or whatever, but uh, me and the kids were all in what we called the boys' room and just building blocks and listening to some music. And at that time, Carissa was little because she was, I remember distinctly her sitting with me and we were doing blocks together and all the other kids were playing in the room. And so I go to the door and he's like, well, where is everybody? He knows we've got all these children. He's expecting everybody to rush at him at the door. He's like, where is everybody? I said, oh, well, we're back in here, you know, just in the room together in the boys' room. So he's like, well, let me see. So we walked back there with him. He looks around at everybody. They're all looking up, playing with their blocks, telling them hi. And, and um, he talks for a few minutes with all the kids. And then we walk up back out, and he gives me a check or whatever for Barry. And he said, you know what? He said, I want to tell you something. 
I said, I was a school teacher for many, many years. And then I was a principal for many, many years. And I have never seen so much learning going on in one room before. He said, you know why? Because there was so much love in that room. And you know, I've read that in so many, just even recently, because like knowing we're doing this class, just reading different books that I had and then didn't read, I'm like, oh man, I wish that I had, you know, we didn't have a lot of time, but I wish I had read those books. But one thing they say over and over and over again, like we're so concerned in the United States about our kids' academic and how much they're learning and how, what their progress is. They're like, you know what? You really don't need to be so focused on all that. If you really love them and respond to them and give them what they need, and like Barry's saying, like a lot of that is discipline. It's not all giving them what they need is not everything that they want. Please don't make that equation because that is so wrong. But giving them what they really need. You know, wisdom is paying attention to the nature of, of someone. What is a child's nature? Think about that. What is their nature? Wisdom is treating them according to their nature. Um, I love this. Um, Luke 9:48 in the Living Bible, Jesus said, "Whoever cares for a little child like this is caring for me. And whoever cares for me is caring for God who sent me." Your care for others is the measure of your greatness. Isn't that amazing? The way you care for others is the measure of your greatness. It's not your intelligence is the measure of your greatness. It's not the paycheck that you earn. That's not the measure of your greatness. The measure of your greatness is how much can you bend down and serve. Like Jesus said, right, after he washed the disciples' feet, he said, as I've done to you, so you should do one another to one another. And he said, and if you know to do these things, you're going to be so happy. Your life is going to be so blessed. Um, so what does it look like to truly love and care for our children? I've written down a few things. Certainly this is not an uh, exhaustive list. There's so many things that could be said. But love begins by looking. In the New Testament, Jesus looked, it notes that Jesus looked at people 40 times. He looked at them, and he was moved with compassion. So having that compassion starts with looking. Looking into our children's eyes is looking into their souls. And it takes time to look into their souls and to listen to their hearts. You're saying, you're important to me, you matter to me, I care about what you have to say, I care about what you feel. And love is not efficient. Uh, that's a quote by Paul Miller. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. Um, part of the ways of, in our house, taking time with the kids when they were little was, uh, and putting them to bed at night, scratching their backs. And then even when they're, they're babies, just, I don't know if you've heard of this, um, it's just, just like what Sissy's doing with little Maddie right now, just looking into their eyes and just cooing, you know, they're cooing to you and you're responding to them and you're rubbing their little arms and you're rubbing their tummy and you're telling them how much you love them. Do you know what's happening when you're doing that? Let me read you a few things. You're providing a special time of communication that fosters love, compassion, and respect. You're improving their whole general well-being. You're improving their circulation. You're enhancing their immune system and all their neurological development. It helps to increase their oxygen and nutrient flow to all their cells, and it improves their respiration. It reduces levels of cortisol and the stress hormone. It provides all the essential indicators of the intimate child, parent-child bonding and attachment, eye-to-eye, -eye, touch, voice, smell, movement, and thermoregulation. It stimulates all the physiological systems 
physiological systems, and massage sparks the neurons in their brains to grow and branch out to encompass other neurons. And I wrote this down by um, Paul Miller. By touching people physically, we touch them emotionally. So it starts out when they're little babies, but you know what? They don't lose that need that they have for physical touch as they grow and they're two. Um, I climb into bed with them and just scratch their backs, rub their backs at night. And you know, it just, it opens up that time where they wanna confide in you. They wanna take time with you and they're gonna share their heart with you. And when they're four, they're five, they're six, and all the way up, I can't remember when we stopped, but maybe when they were 10 or 12, usually whenever they started to be allowed to stay up later, then we didn't do that as much. But then it moved to, here, sit on the floor and I'll rub your back. And you know what's really beautiful now is to see my adult children. One of them mentioned, man, I got a stiff neck. Or, well, hey, sit down right here, I'll rub your back to see them just serving one another. It's just such a beautiful thing. Um, let's see. Oh, and it was so sweet when the kids were, when the kids were little and Barry would work and sometimes get home late and they'd be like, Dad's gonna be really sore tonight. Do you guys, when Dad comes home, do you wanna put him in the big chair and let's all give him a back rub and let's all rub his feet? And they're like, yeah! And I don't know how much, I'm sure Barry enjoyed it, but it wasn't like this awesome massage, but it was so precious, just learning to serve and love mm. on their daddy. Yep. Yeah, train Maddie up now. Yeah. <laughs> Do we take time to see our children as God does? Eternal, precious souls made in his image. Do we delight in them? You know, you want to be around someone who enjoys you. You like being around someone who likes to be with you. Yep. Our children are the same way. Or do we see them as problems that annoy us? Do we view them as distractions from what's really important? Let me take this little time that you need because I really got to get on to what I got to do. They are the most important work, like C.S. Lewis says. Are we too agenda-driven and distracted to slow down and focus on their true needs? Remember, not all behavioral problems are discipline issues. Some are merely children's true needs not being met. And what do our children really need? Well, they, they do need discipline, and they need structure. They need to be clean. They need to be well-fed. They need rest. They need a schedule. And I'm not a proponent of a baby being on a three-hour schedule and, like, being so regimented. And I did do that for a couple of my kids, and I found that, you know what I was doing? I was kind of closing off my heart to them because then when they'd cry, I'd be like, nope, it's not time for that. <sighs> yeah, I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> anyway, um, they need safety. They need also, they need our embrace and our smile, warmth. They need to know that we like them and that we delight and enjoy them, that they feel, that they need to feel like they're special to us and that they really matter. Um, and with, you know, sometimes behavioral problems Something that might look like a behavioral problem might just be an issue of the child really is overtired, really is. You really, you need to be aware of what your child needs in that way, how hungry they are, how stressed out they are. One time we went um, up to a friend's house um, in North Florida and so we had spent the night and we had all of our kids and Wesley was probably like three or four years old. I'm really not sure how old he was. But we had gone to church with them and then we were out to eat at a restaurant with them. And Wesley was really starting to get a little bit out of hand and I'm trying to keep him under control and I was getting a little exasperated with him and ready to take him out and give him a spanking because he's not listening. 
And Barry comes over and he picks up Wesley, goes and puts him on his lap, and he just starts talking really softly to Wesley. He starts rubbing his back. Before you know it, Wesley's totally calmed down. He's totally listening. Well, he had been he'd been spent. We'd spent the night at a different house. He's not in his own environment. Then we're at church all morning. We're at a restaurant. He's waiting to eat. He's hungry. Here, the legalist is wanting to discipline, but Barry, seeing the real need of Wesley, pulls him on his lap and loves on him. And then a gentleman came over, and he started talking to Barry. He's like, you know what? I, I was watching. I just want you to. I just want to tell you that I just really appreciate the way you just loved on your son, and I, I would love to see that more. So it was really, really precious. Um, they need to be loved. One thing the Lord really dealt with me about is how much our children need to be respected. They are people made in God's image. They don't belong to you. They belong to God. Yes, they're under your charge for a little bit, but they are the Lord's. And the way you treat them is the way you are going to be treated. Yeah, one thing just to add in shortly, um, briefly. One thing that I've found is that it's so easy in the busyness of life, and I, I think we could all testify life is really, really busy, and time pressure is a huge deal in raising children, and you have to make sacrifices to have the time that you need. Just, it's just the way it is. It's a struggle for everybody, and um, you, you, you need to make the wrestle. But here, here's one thing that I learned just as our kids were growing up that and actually, my wife pointed it out to me. She said, baby, do you know that sometimes you come in after work and you walk through the room and you don't even acknowledge your children there? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm a numbskull, aren't I? So I took that and made sure that when I come into the room, whatever my children are doing, hey, how are you? Look at them, acknowledge them. You're a I'm, I'm speaking to them. You're valuable to me. I notice you. You mean something to me. Even though I've just worked all day long and I'm really tired, I just want to look at you and smile and say, you mean something to me. You're valuable. I'm not going to walk through the room. I want to go in and take a shower. I want to go in and get clean clothes on. I want to go and lay down on the bed or on the floor. But it's just, it's so meaningful. Here's, here's, here's the heartstrings thing again. You're, you're making heartstrings. You're telling them. In our culture, it's so crazy to me how we go in and out and look, we never acknowledge each other. It's just insane. Or here's another one that's a pet peeve of mine. Um, you're talking to somebody and they're looking behind you to somebody else. And I just want to go, don't talk to me if you don't want to talk to me. Like if you're enamored with something else, like, so, but you know what? Your kids feel that too. How that makes you feel, they feel with you. And it's just huge. Even little things like that to acknowledge them and to smile at them and to look in their eyes and let them see that there's a twinkle in there. You know? It means the world. These little things are the ways that we express and demonstrate to them, I love you. You know what they say? This is what they say. Here's my heart, Daddy. Here's my heart. What, what is it that you want me to do? I'm telling you, those little things make a huge difference. And then even when they're older, and you're going to have disagreements. You know, you have girls, you might have some different modesty questions. And the cult, well, everybody, you know, or there might be movies or whatever. But they're going to respect what you say about it even if they don't agree. Isn't that awesome? There doesn't have to be a fight. You can disagree and still respect each other and then go, okay, I know you love me. I know that you have my best interest at heart. And yeah, maybe this isn't the right call, but it's not a big deal. I'm just going to honor you. That's where that leads. It's a beautiful thing. Um, loving our children means losing control of our schedule, our money, our time. When we 
love, we cease to be the master. This is a Paul Miller quote. When we love, we cease to be the master, and we become the servant. Jesus said in John 13, okay, I already said that, um, about washing, how he washed the disciples' feet. And um, then he said we should do the same. I believe that includes our children and just how we serve them. Serving, loving, means being inconvenienced and getting dirty. It's a sacrifice, and it narrows our lives. Sometimes our feelings of... um, we can feel so inept and so um, so weak. Like, I can't do this right, God. I don't have enough love, and I'm not spiritual enough. I've had many, many, many of those moments. Um, I used to tell Barry after he put the kids down for bed, it's like, hon, I, I, just, I, I just wish I could run away. Because I'm doing, I had such a bad day with the kids today. I yelled, and they need better than me. Like, I, I'm not spiritual enough. I can't do this. And he would say to me, honey, they're going to be all right. They're going to grow up, and they're going to love God, and they're going to love other people. And it's going to be in spite of us, not because of us. Because we are trusting in the Lord. So I just want to encourage you, like, um, God loves to bring us to places where we're overwhelmed and we're overloaded. Because it's not supposed to be about what we can do. It's all about what he does. Our whole life is that. Our whole life is dying to self and the resurrection. And so I felt like nothing... Raising children was the hardest thing, you know, I've ever done and we've ever done. And that nothing would slap me in the face of my selfishness. Like, it reminded me every day how selfish I was because I had to constantly put someone else's need above my own, and it chafed me. I didn't go, of course I'm going to get up at 3 in the morning. Of course you can wake me up every hour tonight. <laughs> like, no, that wasn't me. Um, But anyway, but this causes us to cry out to God because we're not enough. But we cry out to God, and he supplies what we never could. It's not about having enough or being enough. It's about the God who's more than enough. We offer all we are, and it's never enough. But that's okay. It's not supposed to be. It's just like when Jesus fed the five, fed the um, five thousand. What what did they have in in the face of such a great need? Two fish and five loaves. That was not enough food. And I felt like the Lord dealt with me. Doesn't matter what you're dealing with. There isn't enough. But if you take your not enough. And you lift it up to me. I will do what you could never do. I'll make myself real to them. Like Barry was saying last week, we had there, I mean, time. We didn't have to be going behind our children to see, like, and to be hovering over and watching every single thing. Believe me, they came to us and repented, and we never knew. We never knew what was going on. I mean, not, okay, that sounds terrible. We never knew what was going on. That's really not true. But, like, but there, so many times they would come repent. We had no idea that they had done this or that or the other. But they would repent. But, but when we offer our crumbs to the Lord, he breathes on them, and he will come through and do what we could never do. And um, every need we have, every lack, is just an opportunity for the Holy Spirit when we give it over to him. And um, I was going to tell one more story, I guess. Sure. Okay. Um, One time I was, this was a really, really, really bad day. And 
it wasn't even 2 o'clock yet. <laughs> and it was a horrible day. And I felt like a complete failure. Um, sometimes our son Landon just would have really, really, really hard days. And this day, I'm trying to think how old he was. He was probably around four. And I had to put him in his room because I, I totally did not know what to do. It was, it, we were way, way past any kind of discipline. There was, we, he, he was going ballistic on me, and I did not know what to do. I'm like, okay, Landon, you have to go to your room. And he was trying to get out. So I'm holding the door so he can't get out. And he was pretty strong. I had to really hold the door. And I was pregnant with Carissa. And um, then I hear him start to pick up things and throw everything that he could find against the wall. And I'm on the other side of the door, and I'm just praying. Jesus, I don't know what to do. I feel like a horrible mom right now. He's going crazy in there, and I don't know how to help him. My God, would you please help us? I don't know what to do. Here, we want to raise up these children for you, and look at what's going on. Father, this is, I'm a failure. I know this can't be right. How can this be honoring you right now? But I don't know what to do. And uh, finally, Landon calmed down. I could hear he had gotten on his bed, and he would rock. And I could hear he's rocking on his bed, so I'm like, okay, I can let go of the door. Finally get Wesley down for a nap because it was time for Wesley to take a nap. So I pulled Wesley up on my lap, and I'm just shaking on the inside. And I'm rocking Wesley, and I just start to sing this song. And it's just a song that it's really like a lullaby. I think that James Taylor wrote. I'm not sure. Um, but it says, the sun is slowly sinking down. And the moon is slowly rising. And to me at that moment, it was just appropriate because I was like, yeah, God, it's really dark right now. The sun's sinking down, all right, and the moon is rising. And, but this old world will still be spinning around, the song says. And I'll still love you. So close your eyes. You can close your eyes. It's all right because I will be here with you. And that's all of, like, the, the real words of the song I remember. Because as I started singing that song, something really special happened. I was singing to Wesley. And at that point, I didn't hear myself singing anymore because I heard God singing to me. And so he's saying to me, yeah, it's all right. The, the sun's going down, and it's really dark. But it's okay. The world's still going to go on. You're going to get through it. I'm going to be right here with you, and I love you. And then the Lord singing, he came, it came through me, but this is what he said. And it won't be long before another day, and we're going to have a good time. You're going to worship me, and I'm going to hear you say, I'm so glad you led me in this way. So close your eyes. You can close your eyes. It's all right. I'll be here with you. And he said, and I'll give you songs in the night. And you can sing this song because you're right where you belong in my sight. I put Wesley down for a nap. I went to my bedroom. I said, God, if I'm going to worship you then, <laughs> I'm going to worship you right now. If one day you're telling me I'm going to look back on this time and I'm going to worship you and praise you for all these children, I'm going to worship you and praise you for all that you have done and for who you are and for your faithfulness, I'm going to worship you right now. So I started dancing. And I, think, I do believe that was the last time Landon ever had such a crazy episode. But to God be the glory, he came in and he broke in time and time and time again. And you know what? One day, no matter how difficult anything in our life is, is one day we're going to be in heaven, 
And we'll look back on this time, this day that was so horrible, and we'll say, God, you were faithful. I couldn't see it right then, but you were faithful. And we will be praising God for how he delivered us right now. Do you see what I'm saying? So we can just worship him now. We can just praise him now because we know he's going to be faithful. We know that. He's a good God, and he just wants to come in. He wants to come in and set up his kingdom. And where his kingdom is, there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And that's what I pray for our families. Yeah. Amen. Let me just say just a couple of things, and we're going to close and pray. I know most questions with parenting, just from experience, are about specific discipline issues. Um, we're going to get to that. Um, just let me say one thing with what we've said tonight about loving your child. It, this does not mean that you have a child-centered home and everything revolves around their every whim. It's completely different than that. We're going to talk about that coming up, okay? So just... Just take that nugget there. We're not talking about every whim or desire that your child wants or everything that they cry about they're getting. No, that's not where we're going. But you see the heart issue. The heart, having your child's heart is all important. It's everything in your parenting. And you, you, whatever you can do to keep that connection strong and tight, you're not going to compromise your discipline because let me tell you something. They don't despise you for disciplining them when they know you love them. They respect you for it. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. Our kids never despised us for disciplining them because they knew that we loved them. Yeah, um, actually, they have, as they've grown up, they have thanked us for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, we're going to pray. I've, I've got a two-ingredient. How many like recipes with only two ingredients? It's easy to remember for our skies anyway. I'm just going to put this out there. I mean, we, you could parse it lots of different ways. But here's what I call a winning recipe for, for parenting, okay? Two ingredients. Um, we'll have to break them down a little bit, but I'm just going to put it out there for now. Here's number one. Okay, if I have your attention, it's two ingredients. You can remember this. Deep dependence on the Holy Spirit. You can't live without that. Here's the second one. It's what I call vigilant love vigilant love it's not passive it's always watching it's 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 treasuring your child but keeping your heart in a posture that you're a watchman that you're praying you're crying out to the lord you're looking for those issues and it's also consistently disciplining because love involves discipline deep dependence on the holy spirit vigilant love is the winning recipe for childbearing it's simple we're going to break some of that out later. We're going to talk about a lot of different issues, and we're going to get into the issues of discipline and how to do it. Okay, so that's all important. But let's pray right now. Would you just stand up with me? Let's just offer the Lord again, not only our hearts, but our children and all the children that he'll give us. And let's ask him to come in again in a deeper way. Father, we just thank you for the children that you've blessed us with in your wisdom and in your riches and in your love, you have decided that this is such a great inheritance that it surpasses the others and you're going to give it to us as our inheritance in this life. And we're so grateful. Father, we just re-up in our commitment to you to lean hev heavily into you, to trust in you, to rely upon you, Holy Spirit, to give us wisdom as we seek you, to give us insight, to give us sensitivity to be able to see what's happening. And we just offer our hearts to you, Lord, that you would, would you teach us how to have our children's heart? And would you help us to so live and so operate in the way that we relate to them, that they willingly give us their heart so that we may show them the delightful ways of the Lord and they will embrace it. Father, give us the hearts of our children, we pray, and make us parents who um, actually deserve that. <laughs> Help us to walk in such a way that our children want to give us their hearts, Father. We pray that you would be glorified, that you would have a heritage, Lord, that your heritage would go beyond our lifespans into generations to come, that you would glorify your name with sons and daughters unknown to us completely but already known to you. 
and that they would transform families and societies, even nations, because you have sown seeds of eternity that carry down through the line that you have caused us to have, the inheritance that you've given. Lord, let it be so. Give us a bigger picture than our present struggle. And we ask for great grace and for the mighty moving of your Holy Spirit to train up these children to be the godly ones that your heart so desires. Thank you, Father. Impart hope and impart conviction in us as parents. Give us strength and grace to walk confidently and to trust in you that you will do what we could never do as we give ourselves to you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.